Welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. Thank you for joining us. This show is sponsored by Innovation Compounding, who are a PCAB-accredited sterile and non-sterile compounding-only pharmacy, licensed to ship throughout the United States. They commit to individualized pharmaceutical care and personalized medicines, compassionate towards patients and doctors, as well as being a wellness advocate for their patients' lives and state of well-being. Call toll-free 800-547-1399 or visit innovationcompounding.com. Today I'm joined by Dr. Tara Thompson, who is a pharmacist from Innovation Compounding in Georgia. Thank you for joining us today, Tara. Thank you, Linda. So, first of all, let's find out about you. You know, where did you study? Where did you train? What have you done so far? Okay. Um, I was born and raised in Texas. My dad is a pharmacist, so I kind of grew up in the in the pharmacy, helping him out even before um, I was a pharmacy technician, um, even when I was little, just helping him out, odds and ends. And um, so I really had a love for medicine early on. Um, once I got to college, I went to Texas A&M for my undergrad in biomedical science. Um, I was still interested in the medical field. It was definitely something that I had always loved and um, just patient health in general and and how diseases and drugs and everything worked within the body. Um, also in the animal field, I was really interested in, in veterinary medicine too. But um, throughout college, I think my main focus started being around um, the pharmacology of drugs themselves. So the chemistry and the, and, the, and the biology and biochemistry around how drugs worked in the body. Um, I was really interested in that came easy to me to kind of um, understand those pathways and the mechanisms of action. So that's something I kind of honed in on um, towards the end of my um, undergraduate degree. And um, from there, I decided that pharmacy was indeed somewhere I wanted to be and went to the University of Houston College of Pharmacy and graduated in 2012. So here I am today, six years later. (laughs) (laughs) It says on your bio, um, other than being Vice President of Clinical Services at Innovation Compounding, that you have done um, extensive research including female sexual dysfunction, pelvic health, hormone replacement therapy. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. So um, this has really been my first real job as a pharmacist. I've worked here at Innovation for six years, um, ever since I I worked here before I graduated. Um, I'm sorry, before I took my pharmacy boards, I had a a position here um, just helping out and then um, kind of went from there. But um, I was mainly brought onto the team at Innovation for women's health. So 
Um, we are having a lot of big interest in pelvic health and female sexual dysfunction at the time um, and still today, but um, really just needed someone to focus in on that women's health side and just um, we do a lot of research behind um, the drugs that we use in our compounds and, and how uh, we're dosing those and putting those combinations together for a certain um, for certain female um, conditions. So we do a lot of hormone replacement therapy, of course, pelvic health in terms of hypertonic pelvic floor disease, fulvodynia, vestibulodynia, lichens, uh, lichens um, syndromes. Um, we do a lot of interstitial cystitis. Um, really just pelvic pain in general, um, inorgasmia, hypoactive sexual desire disorder. Um, there's a big realm for that, and, and that's really where um, I focus a lot of my attention. And so when it comes to low-dose naltrexone, um, we certainly compound a large majority of that here at our pharmacy. Um, but looking at it from terms of women's health standpoint, um, I think it has some really promising places in the in the female realm as well. So uh, that's kind of how I got to innovation. Um, I did all my training through pharmacy school in Houston um, at PCCA, which is headquarters is down in Houston. They have a great compounding program there for students, and um, really just got my love for compounding there in pharmacy school and came up here and and was offered a a great opportunity in the women's health field. So. Um, I've been here ever since. <laughs> and what forms do you compound LDN in in your pharmacy? I would say the majority um, is capsules. We do um, 0 0.5 milligram increments, anywhere from 0 0.5 to about 8 milligrams. Um, of course, the most popular being a 1.5 and a 4.5 milligram capsule. Um, However, I've kind of started branching off from the capsules because, um, you know, of the children, um, um, the pediatric population, um, as well as those who are having a hard time swallowing capsules or, or do not prefer capsules, um, I really reached, reached out a little bit into the transdermal form of low-dose naltrexone, um, typically in a transdermal cream of some sort. But also we've really looked highly into emu oil and have found that it's been um, great to use for, for patients who are seeking transdermal treatments. Mm -hmm. I interviewed a, a pharmacist in Australia and they always use emu oil. It is uh, yes. a carrier that they use. It's wonderful. <sighs> it's a wonderful carrier. Um, it, it does not have phospholipids, so it, it's highly penetrable and easy absorption easily absorbable on the skin. Um, it's non-comedogenic, so that's great for our, you know, sensitive skin population and um, doesn't leave a residue that we've seen and, and very hypoallergenic. We love emu oil. It's definitely um, a great a great option, a great carrier for the LDN. Mm -hmm. And when you compound your capsules, what filler do you use? We use Avacel, so um, it is just a microcrystalline cellulose filler. Mm -hmm. It does not um, have any sort of um, time-released or uh, sustain-released potential, so um, we definitely use just an Avacel to form an immediate-release mm -hmm. capsule. And do you ever have the need for sublingual drops? 
We do. We've um, actually done a couple sublingual trochies here at our uh, pharmacy. Um, we try to use the molded preps as much as possible because, you know, they're just more palatable and um, can be flavored and that kind of thing. So we have done some sublingual trochies, mm -hmm. um, but I'm sure a drop would be, you know, would be equally, um, equally effective in that, in that sense. Mm -hmm. And from the patients that your pharmacy has using LDN, what kind of a, a population have you got, as in condition-wise, do you know? Yes. Um, I don't know all of the conditions that we treat, but I do know that we have several patients, just from speaking with them um, from a counseling standpoint, who are taking LDN for um, pre- and post-surgical um, reasons. So if they're going in for some sort of scheduled surgery in the future, um, we'll have patients taking the LDN to kind of get their immune system boosted and ready um, for the healing process that will follow that surgery. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, breast cancer patients, mastectomy patients, um, patients who are going in, like I said, we do a lot of female pelvic health and, and sexual dysfunction. So we see a lot of um, surgeries for endometriosis and, and pelvic reconstruction and that kind of thing. Um, and I've seen these patients using it for, um, for those reasons. Um, also, we have some children um, who are on LDN from our pharmacy for autism. Mm -hmm. So I know that there's a link there between, um, you know, immune system regulation and, and the um, low glutathione levels. So we do have some patients um, in the autistic population that are taking this medication. Um, and what have the success rates been? Do you know the outcomes? I don't know the outcomes particularly. Um, I know that the physicians who are prescribing these for autism, we do a lot of um, the autistic population just from certain physicians in our area, and and um, they're constantly writing for it. Mm -hmm. So um, I know that they probably have some really good feedback or um you know, results coming out of out of those cases um, where they're still prescribing it, you know, for future fills and for more and more patients. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, I think the I think the patient cases and the the outcomes are there. Yes. Could you explain what interstitial cystitis actually is? Because I know there are many people out there who suffer with bladder problems. Yes, ma'am. Um, it's actually a condition of the bladder to where the um, gag layer in the bladder has, has sort of broken or is breaking down a little bit. There's little, we like to say, little cracks in the gag layer of the bladder that's very painful um, when the bladder is expanded. So when it's expanded, you're getting, um, you have, you know, it's full of urine. It's, it's very painful. There's, you know, those sodium-potassium pumps going in and out and and really you when the patient voids their bladder is when they get some relief because you know that bladder isn't isn't extended and outstretched so much so um it seems to have some sort of a um possible autoimmune um link there 
Um, it's still heavily studied, but uh, one of the treatments, you know, they've been using um, the Pintocin to kind of help with that bladder pain and also bladder installations with um, hyaluronic acid and heparin and lidocaine and those types of things um, have also shown to help help patients a lot with the with the pain relief in general and kind of helping rep- repairing that gag layer inside of the bladder. Mm-hmm. I personally have MS and occasionally I get spasms of the bladder and it's like having cramp in your calf muscle but in your bladder and it can Mm -hmm. sometimes last for like five months and it's worse at night when I lay down and when I walk it jiggles the bladder (laughs) jiggles and it hurts Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the only relief you can have in the middle of the night when you feel you can't take the pain anymore is to sit in a, a warm bath but then mm-hmm. once you get out, mm-hmm. it, it hurts again. It's back. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's back. Is there anything that you could recommend for people with that kind of a problem? I know that it could be triggered by um, certain foods and spicy foods and that kind of thing, um, getting getting too hot. Um, those types of things seem to cause the flare-ups. Mm-hmm. Um but since it is so internal, um, you know, just trying to treat it at the source. So in the actual walls of the bladder, we found has been most helpful for patients who um, are having so much pain and, and, you know, just bladder installations and that kind of thing. I know it can be um, very difficult to either self-instill with catheters or, Um, to travel to the physician's office each time, but I know those patients are getting relief from those treatments and and able to, you know, function normally for for periods of time before, um, you know, it flares up again. So we tell patients, I mean, pharmacologically, it it is hard to to treat that particular um, disease state, but just staying away from spicy foods and, um, you know, staying healthy and I'm wondering now if LDN would have a place in in that um, aspect just for immune system health. Mm. Well I've been taking LDN for 14 years but it still occurs occasionally Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and I do like spicy food but I don't have bladder problems every time I have spicy food because I have spicy food at least every other day (laughs) say yes um so i don't know i'll have to when it happens again i I hope it doesn't um i'll have to think back what i've done differently for it to have triggered Mm -hmm. triggered it yeah i know diet plays a part in it too and um you know i've just i've heard so many different cases of where patients will have different types of flare-ups so it'll be for you know, days or weeks or just a couple hours at a time. And um, I really see more women, of course, than than men. But I have seen, you know, a few men with it too. So um, mm. I guess just proper, even finding the, a physician who is familiar with it and, and current on the literature and, and the treatment regimens for it would be definitely beneficial for for patients. Yes something to think about so with your hormone replacement therapy 
uh, we found that um, people on thyroid medications for uh, like Hashimoto's or hyperthyroidism, hyperthyroidism have to be careful when taking LDM because they tend to have too many or the dose of hormones that they're taking is too high. The thyroid medications, they have to reduce it. Have you come across that in the pharmacy? Um, yes, actually, we, we know that the thyroid, the adrenals, and the female sex hormones kind of all work together. They're in this big, big triad balance. And, and um, I've seen in the past just getting those particular organs and, and hormones all balanced is, is key. Um, I believe the cortisol can typically be tested, you know, on a 24-hour cortisol levels and making sure that the adrenals are properly healthy and, and work and functioning to release cortisol properly um, is one step. And then getting the thyroid on track is another step. Um, and then once those two are, are balanced and maintained properly, um, that's when you would really look at the hormone levels as far as, you know, estrogens, progesterone, testosterone, and seeing um, if those are in balance for the, for the female. So um, just having everything in balance typically is, is a good start. Um, we've seen, too, as, as patients, you know, start to feel better and, and even losing weight and um, maintaining a, a proper diet, that these levels will change and, the, and they'll need to be adjusted over time. Um, one, one thyroid dose or one hormone dose isn't, isn't necessarily the end-all, be-all of that patient. It definitely depends on um, how they're responding to treatment, how their lifestyle is changing. Um, and for the better, usually, you can, um, you know, have patients or patients are able to go down on their thyroid doses a little bit sometimes if their um, hormones are being properly balanced mm -hmm. and um, they're getting their, their, their weight under control. And, yes, that, that's definitely a, an option, getting their um, health back in order. So if somebody comes to you that is overweight and do you look at their height-weight ratio and to tell them how much weight they need to lose to get into a, a normal range or do you look at the BMI or both? Um, we typically look at the BMI here. Um, we also are very symptom-based medicine, so we like to go based on, you know, how the patient is feeling and, and really getting their weight on track in a healthy, um, in a healthy way. So just seeing what, what symptoms are they having. Are they thyroid-related? Are they vasomotor symptoms related to hormones? Are they... Um, related to, you know, any other uh, prescription medications that they're on. So really just treating the root cause and, and finding out, um, you know, everything about that patient as far as their medications are going and their hormone levels and, and then what symptoms are they having. And, and in that case, uh, in that instance, you would, you would kind of um, recommend some weight loss regimens depending on that. So, um, you know, if somebody has several, several pounds to lose, you wouldn't want to tell them to start um, running, running marathons 
the next day because there's no way that they would be able to stay compliant or um, on track with those weight loss goals. So um, just having them start out, you know, just like medicine dosing, starting low and going slow and just getting out there and, and walking around and gardening or vacuuming the house can even help, um, you know, with weight loss. So uh, we try to go on BMI, but also what's reasonable for the patient. <laughs> yes. And of course, if you were to go on some very strict diet that wasn't sustainable over time, and then you went back to eating how you had originally eat, had been eating, of course, that weight comes straight back on again. So you have to alter your lifestyle and your way of eating and not looking at it as a, a diet per se, but as a new eating regime, isn't it? It is a lifestyle change rather than a diet. Something that, you know, even if you lose weight very gradually, but something that you have altered your eating pattern so that the weight doesn't go back on. Right, right. So just, you know, maybe choosing smaller portions or, um, you know, eating one cookie instead of two is what I always like to say. Um, just little changes like that can help, you know, slowly get you on the right track to where you feel like you're able to accomplish those goals that you're that you've set for yourself. And also um, just getting up and walking around. And I try to make recommendations to patients who want to lose weight or to get, you know, get some of their cholesterol down or, or their triglycerides, just little things that are actually attainable by the patient. Nothing, nothing drastic. I don't want people to be turned off by it and, and stop, mm -hmm. <laughs> stop their weight loss regimen or their just go back to eating how they were. Um, you know, you want to make it as a pharmacist, you know, you want to make it, um, achievable for the patient mm -hmm. and of course once you start losing weight that in itself gives you encouragement doesn't it when you begin to feel healthier right just seeing little changes and you know saying I can do this and um, little by little getting gradually getting more energy and and just getting the wherewithal to get up and go um, you know, we like to help with that and, and even complementary therapies like probiotics and um, multivitamins and, and vitamin C and those types of things that are, um, you know, shown to be beneficial. Mm -hmm. What would you say are the top four supplements that you recommend to patients? I know that everybody's individual and everybody's needs are different, but if you had to find four that would suit most people, what would they be? Ooh, I like this question. Um, <laughs> I'm a very, big, I'm a very big advocate of, of probiotics. I think they're good from an immune system standpoint, a GI, a GU standpoint. Um, even in children, adults alike. Um, I, I think they help um, leaky gut syndromes and those kind of things. That would be one probiotics. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, I'm kind of hesitant on vitamin D, but I love to recommend it for, especially if I know patients have told me that they've, you know, don't get outside much or they're, they're always working in an office or something like that. Typically vitamin D is, 
is very um, very low in our in our you know working population. We have a lot of around here, so I like to recommend vitamin D. Just they're just low dose if it's not in their multivitamin already. Um, I also like to recommend magnesium. Um, I went to a conference about four years ago and learned that about 75% of the population is deficient in magnesium. And we know magnesium is a huge cofactor for a lot of the biochemical, um, you know, pathways and, and chains that we have going naturally in our body. So to be deficient in magnesium would, you know, definitely alter some of those reactions and um, as an enzyme, so, or as a coenzyme. So um, I like to recommend magnesium. And then, of course, it helps for sleep, too. So that's always nice. Doesn't it also um, help with cramps? Magnesium does, yes. Mm -hmm. It does help with cramps, some muscle cramps and that kind of thing, too. Um, and then, I don't know. I guess my fourth would probably be um, some sort of um, definitely multivitamin or um, something tailored specifically to um, the child or the female or the male. I know some of our male ones, we, we really recommend um, more zinc and, and that kind of thing. For females, I love I3C and DIM. Um, for, you know, female uh, breast cell health and, and vaginal cell health. Um, and for, for children, I think multivitamins work wonders. So I've seen it personally in my own children. When they're on a multivitamin, they seem more, you know, attentive and 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 active and go-getting and then without it they're a little bit more sluggish that's just in my personal opinion mm -hmm. but um, I think it works wonders for for people when you were talking about probiotics and there are many on the market out there how many millions or trillions of bacteria should we be looking at when we we purchase I heard that you should try to find a probiotic that has at least five to seven different strains. Okay. Um, I guess that's just to kind of attack and, and prevent from all different angles, mm -hmm. um, all different strains that are currently in, you know, in the gut. And um, so I always look for one that's five to seven strains. I know we carry one here at our pharmacy that has six strains. So I tell patients, um, this is a great one. It has six strains. Um, it has, you know, the lactobacillus acidophilus is, all, is always a big one, the bifido. Um, and I, I like to see those in there. Mm -hmm. um, I know with so many formulations out now, you can. it's probably changed since those guidelines. But um, I know having that many strains is always a, a good a good, you know, first step if you're looking for a, a probiotic. And are they expensive? They can be, um, depending on which one you get. Like I said, some of the larger amounts of strains can be a little bit more, whether or not they have to be refrigerated. I don't know if that has anything to do with the cost, but mm -hmm. they formulate them now to where they don't usually have to be as much. Um, the bacteria are a little bit more stable the way that they're encapsulated, but... Um, they, they could be a little pricey. You want to make sure you get a good um, pharmaceutical-grade probiotic, though. So um, you can actually find them um, in America. You can find them 
at your regular pharmacy over the counter, but you actually sometimes have to ask the pharmacist because they keep some of those in the fridge behind the counter. So um, if you if you don't see what you want on the shelf, um, ask the pharmacist if they have any over-the-counter probiotics um, in their fridge back there because usually they do, and you don't need a prescription for them. They just have to be kept cold. Okay. And are they – do you have to take them every day? Yes, they're usually recommended to take daily. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I know we do a vaginal probiotic here at our pharmacy. Um, it is a cream that's used vaginally. Um, that's typically done daily and then three times weekly thereafter after about a month. So that one, I guess, is acting directly within the vaginal flora there at the site um, and does not have to be taken daily. But the ones orally um, – I think you you should be taking them daily. If not, you're just fleshing them out, aren't you, really? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I think it's best to keep that, that flora in your system at all times, mm-hmm. the, the balance there. Well, we've come to the end of the show, and thank you very much for educating us today. It's been a learning Perfect. curve. Thank you. So, if, oh, I hope so. <laughs> if people would like to contact you at the pharmacy... What number do they call? All right. We have a um, local line at 770-421-1399. We also have a 1-800 number. It's 1-800-517-5509. And you can also go to our website. It's www.innovationcompounding.com. And we can answer any questions there online. Um, We have a contact your pharmacist section. They can type in their question, and and it goes straight to the pharmacist team, and we answer those as they come in. So um, it's two good ways to get in touch with us. Well, thank you very much for having joined us today. I really appreciate it. You too. Thanks, Linda. I really appreciate everything you guys are doing. This show is sponsored by Innovation Compounding, who are a PCAB accredited sterile and non-sterile compounding only pharmacy, licensed to ship throughout the United States. They commit to individualized pharmaceutical care and personalized medicines, compassionate towards patients and doctors, as well as being a wellness advocate for their patients' lives and state of well-being. Call toll-free 800-547-1399 or visit innovationcompounding.com. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.